Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Zero, one, two, three is not available. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hello, Will and Laura. Um, it's Alistair Beckett-King, and I'm recommending that you go to Sir John Soane's Museum in London's Holborn, or Holborn, if you want to use the letters in the word. I hope you enjoy it. We're outside the John Soane Museum. How much do you want to die? Super loads. So, despite having a um, very local, technically, compared to a lot of our recordings, this is local. So, when it comes to sheer mileage... Can you hear his voice? Sheer mileage between where I start and where I end. You know, some days I've started in Brighton and I've ended in uh, Inchcombe, which is off the coast of Edinburgh. Some days I've started in uh, Somerset and ended in Anglesey, which is off the coast of North Wales. Some days I've started in... uh, can you speed this up because the episode is only like 45 minutes? Point is, today I've come 32 miles and it's taken me three hours. We left home. Well, I left my... Will picked me up at 6.45am. It's now 9.45am and we're right here in the centre of London. It's a beautiful day and we're outside the John Soane Museum, which two of our friends have recommended to us now. We're here on the orders of ABK, but if you're a fan of our YouTube series, then you'll know that Rich Masara... Hello, Rich also loves this place. Hey, Rich. So we're just around the corner from Hoban Station. We're opposite a park. There's a whole line of offices and houses, and then, bam, just this massive museum. Should we go in? Yeah, let's go in. You come in. Will, describe this first room that we're in. Red. It is red. Um, red. Um, twice. So it's like a... Well, it's basically like a... a an old-fashioned sort of drawing room, dining room. There's a fireplace and chairs, a dining table. Big vermilion, almost coloured Vermilion, what a word to be pulling out. And then as you they've done in, that fun thing when they don't want you to sit on a seat, so they've put a little thistle on it. Yeah, it's very much the uh, old-fashioned version of those benches with spikes, so the only people can't sleep on them. So. I like very much that there's a one-way system in place, so I feel like I'm going to see everything without getting lost. I like that a lot. There's about 8 million people working Yes, a lot of them have... Oh, I just looked up. The ceiling is covered in paintings. So, listen, I'm sorry. We're gabbling. We're overexcited. We've been awake for hours. We are in what appears to be a library, given that there's books all over the walls in glass cases, your proper old Hocus Pocus-esque-looking books. They haven't got eyes on them, but other than that, very Hocus Pocus-y. I'll pick one at random and tell you the title of it. Homer's Iliad. There you go. And next to that, believe it or not, The Odyssey. Lovely, lovely. It, it looks a lot like um, if you've seen any adaptation of a Sherlock Holmes novel, sort of the club where they'd go and drink, you know, like it's uh, deep leathers, mahogany woods. Very exciting. But as um, we haven't spoken to ABK and to Rich, there are secrets to be found. The ceiling is beautiful. It's got... Uh like freezes painted on it and hanging pendant lights. 
It's nice and bright, isn't it? It is. Uh, one of the walls says east, and there's his parlour opposite says west. Huh. Well, always useful. Like a sat-nav on your roof. Ooh, there's a big painting. Is that John Soane? I assume so. Oh, yes, we, a guide has told us it is. Hi, John Soane. Oh, is this the first of the lights that Rich... So, in our YouTube series, Rich was telling us about this place, Rich Masara, because he loves it here. And he was telling us about all the mirrors being used to guide light around the rooms. And I wonder, on in this room, there are four mirrors up in the corners that look a bit like those mirrors that people get to help them reverse out their driveways. Yeah, if you live on a blind corner. Yeah. <laughs> but I will bet that's what those are for. The breakfast room. So there's a case for a pistol from Peter the Great. And it says the pistol was taken from Peter the Great by Peter the Great, but someone's taken it back. It's not in there anymore. Yeah, that pistol is stolen. There's a painting up of the Bank of England. Oh, yes, because he designed the Bank of England, didn't he? he? Did Bank of England. So we're just off the library esque room now, and we're in a like a vestibule room and it overlooks the tiny courtyard and then every centimetre of this place is used. It doesn't feel crammy cramped but it is busy isn't it? it yes it is. It's like um, if you've ever been to like a sort of a country house hotel and you go up the stairs and there's <laughs> hundreds of little paintings it's like that. The centre of the ceiling in this room is amazing. It, it goes up all like a shell then there's What's that? Eight, nine, nine? Tiny? No, it must be an even number. I can't count. Eight. <laughs> Eight little mirrors. And then in the middle of that is like one of those little pop-up porthole type looky stations covered in stained glass freezes, but it, they're too small to really see what they are from and here. Again, four big uh, circular mirrors and loads of tiny ones. If you've listened to the um, previous series... When we went to Cardiff Castle and then went to the top with that water, the garden thing there, outside, and wait a second, so it's not outside, it's like an alcove within the house, done like a sort of Greek temple, there's loads of busts and maybe marble and a huge statue of a guy with a fig leaf covering his old fella. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny, these little places, they do, they look outside, the light quality Looks like it's a little courtyard, but it's all completely enclosed and it's just stuffed with, I don't know, plaster casts and carvings and statues and busts. The, uh, the outside areas have a feel of um, the bit in between the car park and the cafe at a garden centre. <laughs> Accurate. So we're going down a tiny little corridor now, which is covered again, and it's got a like Egyptian, Greek, Roman feel, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has, and it's really in, it's very easy to forget almost immediately that we're in just a, a house, because there's bits that look like they're outside but aren't, and then when you walk out of that second room, the breakfast room, tiny little corridor, and then suddenly just a well. Oh my god! Down. Yeah, a well. Huh? That goes down a whole floor. There is a statue opposite us of a sort of Zeusy looking Apollo dude that is absolutely stacked. Is he stacked in every respect, Laura? He's he's <laughs> he's requiring in one important element that also looks weirdly shiny, like people have been rubbing it a lot. Rub his little willy. <laughs> but other than his some um, manhood, he is The Rock would be happy on a day when he looked like that. Here we are then. So we're into what we thought was a courtyard, but is still indoors. It's called the dome area. I see why. Because there's a dome. There is a dome above us. So yeah, I thought it was a statue. Oh, this place is, it messes with your mind. So yeah, where we were describing a naked man with a fig leaf covering his stuff that looked to the right of us as we looked through the window. 
we could actually see it reflected and it's on the opposite side to the one you were expecting. Again, lots of uh, pots and urns. And if you look again, it goes down, just drops away to a sarcophagus. Oh, yeah. You sort of have to, to see the sarcophagus, you have to kind of like almost cuddle the statues. Um, There's a, um, I love that they've, even though that statue's got a fig leaf, they've carved his dick behind well, the fig leaf. So I think the fig leaves in a lot of like paintings and statues were later like Victorian editions. Ah, because they, they loved fig leaves. Their prudish nature, they didn't, they didn't like dicks. Oh, I see. I've um, only just remembered that the house is like, it's as he left it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was trying to put your laundry out. No wonder they asked you to leave your backpack. You would be smashing stuff left, right and centre. Yeah, but, but interestingly, some of the stuff is already smashed. So we've just come past, I think, a leg. That is just a leg, isn't so it? Not even a whole leg, a calf. Yeah, so it's from above the ankle to just above the knee. It's going to be a left leg, because the way the calves go in. Hello, science. But uh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it's stuff that he collected, though, isn't it? So it's not like they've gone, oh, hey, we've curated this. This is just a museum of everything a guy got in his whole life. Yeah, it's really nice. It's proper... Uh, do you know what a cabinet of curiosity is? Is it a cabinet that's full of um, cool curiosity things? It's, it's exactly that, yeah. But, like, it's a Victorian thing where people would collect them sort of to show off in the same way that you'd show off pictures of your family wherever now. This is like a big version of that. Like, there's no... Um, so we've just come to a statue here which says, Statue of Esculapius Roman after a Greek original, 2nd century AD. That's the first bit of, like... Oh, this is what this is. Otherwise, it's just... It's, like I say, it's just a guy's fingers. It's great. I like the one opposite this. So opposite Esculapius is uh, a woman and she's wearing a sort of pencil come fishtail skirt little feet poking out the bottom pretty head and the body of the dress is well it looks sort of egyptiany the top has some people on it the torso is made of testicles I little boobs Oh, okay. I suppose you project on the things <laughs> that you want to see, don't you? And then the skirt has like stags and angels kneeling and eagles and rabbits. It's really quite incredible. We'll get a picture of it for the Instagram. I think that's my favourite thing we've seen so far. I tell you what, I would not want to come here with a child under eight because you just spend the whole time. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Yeah. Don't touch it. <laughs> Don't, no, shush, stop. <laughs> oh, there's a statue to our left of a big sort of face with the, like a flat face with the open mouth, like in Roman Holiday, you know, when he tricks her into putting her hand in and then brightens her. Yes, that is exactly what it looks like. Um, but just going back to your previous thing, for the record, I don't want to go anywhere with anyone under eight, ever. <laughs> Will got quite mad at me in the car on the way here because I didn't want the radio on anymore and he said we had to have it on. I was driving. Yeah, but I was going to talk to you. I don't see why we had to listen to Zoe Ball. Ooh, we got some Romans either fighting or dancing in this freeze. Could be both. Could be a dance fight. I, I think um, they're, they're fighting. Yeah. These two are definitely fighting as well. Yeah, well, that's a kick, kick pose. That is... Oh, he's got devil horns. Is it Pam, maybe? Could be. Now we're going into the picture room, which is as described, really. It's a box room with uh, paintings on all this of the is, four walls. This is, I can see some, this is the room that Rich told us about, where the paintings open and are more paintings. <gasps> Ooh. Yes, we're being nodded at by our lovely guide. <laughs> I'd forgotten about this, yes. So we've, yeah, okay, let's do this, how exciting. Diana of Ephesus. Thank you. Yeah, she's got she's a she's a goddess of fertility. That's what she's and and the animals and ah. so that's why she's got all of them. Interesting. Around. Okay. So yes, while we so the statue I described previously was Diana, a goddess of fertility. And while I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. 
Layla, while Layla was explaining that to us, just casually undoing the clasps on the wall and swinging these enormous boards out to reveal more paintings behind them like a picture book. Just incredible. The design for completing the new buildings in Downing Street. So did he love like ancient Rome and ancient Greece? He was a classically uh, trained architect, yeah. so that's what he, he liked. Um, but the opposite, the uh, the opposite pictures of this one, these ones uh, of the buildings never realized are these ones here that um, that actually it were built oh up wow. to 1815. So again, the Bank of England. Yeah, this is still exists today because it is the outer wall. Yeah, yeah, by bank station. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that's zones, all of that. Um, and then we have Pitsanger Manor, uh, used to be his country residence, but Hi. today he's not country, he's not his anymore, but it's open to the public ac actually. That's Stillingham Hall, that's um, Dulwich Picture Gallery, the very top of it. Yeah, oh, I recognise yeah. that. That's the facade of the museum, so the bit that protrudes out front. And this is the tomb, the family tomb, which is oh. in St. Pancras Churchyard. It's just amazing. So that all the bits that have just been described there are all in this painting, sort of like a, a collage painting of all these buildings jumbled on top of each other. And, and also there's paintings of buildings in this painting. Um, it's almost like... Do you remember the Richard Scarry children's Yeah, books? I do, yeah. It's almost like that, but really classy. <laughs> and those are opposite, these paintings. So the one that I think is my favourite is the, uh, the buildings that never happened, the design for an entrance to London. So this sort of enormous gateway with columns and big triumphal procession going in through it. Um, just amazing. What a mind. God, he must have been exhausted all the time having all these ideas. Ready for more? Oh, it's going to go further. OK. We, so we, we open the wall. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Opened again. Oh, wow. And now the wall is sort of fully opened and there's a whole room behind it. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I'm in the way. Goodness me. So again, it's that effect of it sort of looks like it's outside, but it's not. And you've got the front of the Bank of England, the south front of the Bank of England. Oh, yes, a sort of More cast of it, like a design, an architecture design thing. Um, big statue in front of us from the original at Castle Howard. It's like a little treasure trove, isn't it? But a whole building of... Have you ever seen like um, <laughs> like a builder's toolbox where they open yeah. the lid and then it <laughs> opens up? It's like that, but a house. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. There's more paintings on the other side here. We've got the breakfast room in a villa at Ealing. Okay. Isn't it mad that Ealing was once like a country yeah. retreat and now Far it's like Ealing? <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got a painting of a room full of paintings of buildings erected and designed by Sir John Soane. So we're in the painting room looking at a painting of a room full of paintings of rooms and buildings that he made. <sighs> My sister used to have a bag that had Postman Pat on it and he was holding a bag yeah. that had Postman Pat on it holding a bag. Oh, yeah. And that messed with my head as a kid. Uh, in Borton Under the Water, in the Cotswolds, there's a model village of the village. Yes. And in the model village is the model village. And in the model, in the model village is a model village. That's that, what that, this painting is. <laughs> it's giving me big vibes of Postman Pat and Borton on the Water. <laughs> when he bought these houses... Yeah. How much would they have cost him? So, like, uh, for example, the the this the the back of the house uh, where we are now, which is the number um, fourteen, uh, was twelve hundred pounds. 
So you you're going to see later the sarcophagus downstairs. We in just we, we saw a little piece. Yeah, of it, yeah. You, you'll see it later. You see it also that that cost two thousand. So that he was prepared to actually pay uh, for that m much money for an, an object, a real object from antiquity, and the Olix collection was um, actually bought at auction. Not, you know, he didn't travel to get anything. So obviously, he we know because he left receipts and he left all auction the, the catalogs and and so on. So we kn we know that it, everything was bought. It must have been so much easier doing all this before planning permission, don't you think? Imagine trying to persuade someone to let you do this now. My parents wanted to build an uh, an extension, and they're like, nah, just one room. Yeah. Imagine if I just tried to buy next door and be like, I'm going to fit a thousand paintings in the ensuite. <laughs> what are you buying a house for? Uh, my sarcophagus. And then I did, a, I, did a, I got a sketchbook and I want to build the sketches in it and then draw those and then do a painting of those drawings. Yeah. <laughs> that stained glass window there has a, a cross in it. Was he quite religious? No, he wasn't. The, uh, I th I think this <laughs> downstairs is the monk's bala. He's got a hint of monastery because he created this story about a monk that never lived here. So okay. Yeah, so maybe the, the cross is there as a symbol of, of uh, religious, but, uh, um, but no, he wasn't. He wasn't no. actually a Freemason. Okay. Yeah, okay. Freemason. Interesting that he was like famously non-religious and a Mason because I think I'm not a Mason. I've got friends. But um, one of the tenets to join the masons is you have to believe in a higher power maybe he does but just not a religious one yeah maybe the power of art oh. so out of the painting room and you turn right down a little staircase to the monk's room and the sepulchre Crawl something or other. Sepulchre. Sepulchre. <laughs> Difficult word, isn't it? Sepulchre. Sepulchre. Sepulchral chamber. So it. Sepulchral, I reckon. It feels very crypty down here, doesn't it? <laughs> and there's a, a, a room to the left. Very ornate. Can you say that into the microphone? Very ornate. What is? The room to the left <laughs> through glass that I'm going to get intentionally because it feels, it's got that lovely feeling in here of, it's, it looks slapdash but it's not. Yeah. So like, I think everything's there for a reason. So when you look through this glass into the next room, it looks a bit like a, like a sort of um, card room or something. Yeah. It's got a small round table with four... Um, very nicely upholstered chairs around it that you can imagine an illicit game being played around. A strip cribbage. <laughs> um, a low ceiling in there. But it looks distorted through the glass, which I think will be intentional. Agreed. Oh, we're going to go around. Once again, oh. we've, been, we've been tricked by the layout. <laughs> I love it. So flagstones down here. More sort of art um, columns and... Um, who am I going past here? Blucher, Blucher, a statue of him. What have you found? Um, Will's popping a squat. So we're down in the room where the uh, sarcophagus from earlier is, and there's a little tablet in the memory of a beloved wife. I was just having a look to see if it was his wife, or if mm. it just someone's wife died and he quite liked her. <laughs> <laughs> he just bought the headstone. So his elder son, who died of consumption, when he was about 40 years old. Oh, okay, oh, so, so below... And that about is to his wife, who died 20 years before he did. Right. Um, Gutted. So it is a, a plaque for his wife, and below it for his elder son, who died of consumption. Shall I read the plaque to just once more get, try and get some more voiceover work? It's become a feature of the podcast. Have you had any work from it? Nope, and therefore I will not stop. I did not know thee in that happier hour when smiling youth upon the lap of life sprinkles her gayest flowers. It was not mine to catch the early sparkles of thine eyes or list the playful wit of youthful hours. 
dewdrops that gem the rosy bands of hope, etc., etc. Dead. It feels like you're going for a lighter timbre on that read. I'm showing range. Y- you are. You're very rangy. Oh, I like whatever this is. It's a sort of model of a slightly decayed. Is made of cork because that's what they used in olden times. It was easy to carve and light to transport. So an architect would make a model to show people what he was going to build. And also, if it fell overboard, you're fine. It might float. (laughs) (laughs) This one actually is of a temple in Rome called Vestris Fortunis. Okay, incredible. I mean, if that's the cork, imagine the bottle of wine. Hey! We've got another leg. Another calf. Another left leg. Another left leg. Another left leg. He had a thing about so the left legs. We were just saying, it's got that nice feeling in here of organised chaos. Do you know what I mean? Like, here we have just hung up a a, 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 a discorporated leg. But if you'd have said, "Oh, Sir John, where's that left leg?" He'd have gone downstairs next to the sarcophagus. Like, he, absolutely. Do you know why he collected all these artefacts? No, we've been told, but we've not remembered. No Netflix? (laughs) (laughs) True. Um, The answer is he was Professor of Architecture at the Royal Academy. When he was a chap, he had done what was called the Grand Tour. Yes. Yes, we did know that. Yes. Right. Like Keats. Yes. And... Then, Napoleonic Wars stopped people from doing that travel. So, because he wanted his architectural students to actually appreciate things that he had seen, he began to collect. So, all these artefacts are a teaching tool. Interesting. That's fascinating. Clever as well. We're having this conversation just casually right next to this sarcophagus that cost more than the house we're stood in to look at it. That, does that surprise you? Because it doesn't surprise... So the lady upstairs with Layla yeah. was saying the house cost him £1,200, but the sarcophagus cost him £2,000. But, so that's what, like just like 45% more. But if someone said to me, oh, I bought a house for £300,000, but I bought a genuine ancient Egyptian sarcophagus for half a million ago. Yep. Yeah, but we're in Hoban, mate. We're not... What else are you buying here for £300,000? Yeah. I'll put an offer in here. You're not. Can I buy this house for £300,000, please? <laughs> Sorry. How <laughs> <laughs> can you buy the sarcophagus? <laughs> oh, so, so this isn't the gift shop? <laughs> <laughs> and there's a picture. <laughs> So whose sarcophagus is it? Do we know? We do. This is Seti the I, who was the first king who united Egypt, Upper and Lower. And he was father of the Ramesses dynasty. So he was a very important man. The sarcophagus was brought to England and offered to the British Museum who had actually just bought the Elgin marbles, so they didn't have £2,000 in their back pocket. (laughs) So it stood outside the British Museum under a portico for a couple of years and was eventually offered to Sir John Soane, who said yes. And he was so excited that when he acquired it, he had parties for three evenings in order to display it to the great and the good of London. It's a lot bigger than I thought it would be. I'm having a sarcophagus party, mate. You're not dead. You're putting punch in it. <laughs> I'd, lo- I'd love a bath this size. Yes, it's enormous. Well, it would have contained, obviously, the embalmed body, mm-hmm. and then inside, uh, outside that, a wooden coffin right okay and then there would have been all the shabti the goods that would help him as he went through the underworld yes of course gosh it's just a map it's a really lovely stone isn't it the pale sort of creamy stone alabaster and if you put a light inside it glows oh so there's a picture here of uh 
the sarcophagus with a light inside glowing. It looks not dissimilar to if you have a torch and put your finger over the top. Yeah, or put it in your mouth and it shines through your cheeks. Yeah, but if you're growing up, just your mouth, just your finger. <laughs> Less fun though, isn't it? I'm a little bit short to be able to see up and into the... Unfortunately, <laughs> you didn't get asked to look down no. from up there. <laughs> I tried to look up from, from the... So there's a, a sort of balcony around us, but yeah. to look down, you sort of have to tuck your head in between various yes. urns and, and things, and it feels like I'm going to break something. Once, once again, height. ...by the person who is up there. Yes. <laughs> when I'm up there, I tell people to look yes. down. Yes. So I'm just tall enough to peer in. Uh, again, it's carvings, hieroglyphs. And at the bottom, the goddess Nut, oh, who, yeah. who is looking after the soul of the king as he goes through the underworld. She looks very friendly. Is she a bit too friendly? I think she's elegant. Oh! <laughs> I, th- I think she's fit. <laughs> elegant, friendly and fit. There we go, hiding in the bottom of her. Thank you, goddess Nut. I think the good thing about this place, thank you so much, thank you. The good thing about this place is you could come, I think, 50 times and always see something different. Because it's one of those places where you can't stand and look at everything with the same solemnity. You have to just walk past some stuff. So you'll always see, oh, I never noticed how cool that is. Yeah, 100%. And I think, again, as we just found out, because it was all teaching tools... They weren't here to be looked at. They were here to be used as a reference point. You're so close to it all. Like, you could break so much stuff if you weren't careful. I don't know if you're getting the sense of this, but I'm very worried about breaking stuff. Yeah, um, if you've been to, like, the the Louvre or the British Museum where they could go, there's a rope, don't cross it, or a bit of glass. Here, you know... It's a bit like being in the store cupboard for the British Museum. Yeah, 100%. I bet it, a bit like, imagine if someone had discovered the greatest ancient city under the, like, under the desert. It's how their finds heat would look. Just like, yeah. it's got this and this and this and this. Yeah, and this. this is the cargo ship bringing the stuff over. It's just, it's all stacked away and safe, but it is just stuff on stuff on stuff. Look at this marble table. That is beautiful. Oh, I'd have that in my house. My, my coffee tables are not dissimilar pattern. It's beautiful. Just lots of squares of different cuts of marble. You've seen that. I, I'll say it again. At my house. Yeah, but it's not that, though, is it? Mine's, it's lovely. Mine's from the uh, British Heart Foundation. So, You're welcome, hearts. So now it's, this is very much like a little uh, passageway going into the monk's parlour, mm-hmm. the room that we saw... The store. Oh, the st- yes, this is the one with the card game going on in it. There's also a step that Lord didn't warn me about. <laughs> I love this room. So we're in the room we were describing through the wonky glass. And it has. So the bit over the table with the chairs is it has a really low ceiling. But it's low because above it is where the walls with the paintings swung into the painting room earlier to reveal the higher part of this room. So above us in the higher part is the statue and the stained glass window with the cross, and we are now below that. Yeah, yeah, well done, very good. If you ever get lost on a mountain, you'll be able to pinpoint for mountain rescue. That was excellent. Thank you. I'd be crying a lot, though. I don't like the idea of being lost on a mountain. Another outside here, faux courtyard. Is it faux again? Looks a bit like a a statue or a cornice out there. Um, That's big, that bit out there. Whatever that is, that's enormous. So, because of the... (laughs) It's just a sign that just says, alas, poor Fanny. Where? Just there. <laughs> um, I think Fanny was his wife, but also a slang uh, for a vagina. Uh, alas, poor Fanny. So, this is the monk's room for a fake monk that he made up. Yeah, that's a great. He made up a story about a fake monk who didn't live here. I'm going to write a story like that. Like, this is the story of John who never went to Basingstoke. He didn't get off the train at Hook. <laughs> 
And you now take a left into the kitchens. This is traditionally, usually, my favourite part of a house like this. So and we're suddenly just in some kitchens. I suppose because it was the guy's house, the kitchen, you can't piss about with a kitchen. <laughs> Sink, oven, leave your marble outside, John. Still I wonder if he was trying to fill it with statues all the time and you've got some poor housekeeper just... <laughs> no. You know, like the housekeeper in... Um, you know Basil the Great Mouse Detective? The housekeeper's always mad at, at Sherlock, or Basil, for shooting the cushions. No, I'm not. I'm Have not. you not seen that? No. She's always angry with him because he's doing his experiments. I imagine the housekeeper this was like, you are not bringing that statue in here. So, John, please stop putting casts of venison in the kitchen. <laughs> I love an old kitchen. Oh, look at the range. That's one of the few things that was installed after Sir John Soane died ah. for the benefit of the caretakers. It was actually put in in 1900. The original style of stove would have been the one in the previous room, which in 1812 you could buy from any merchant. So John Soane wouldn't regularly have come to this room? He was um, a good employer, so he looked after his servants, but this is definitely their domain. This is where they would have their meals. This is where, if they had any time in between their tasks, they would come to sit. Uh, he had five servants to look after the family, so there would be a cook, of course, a butler, a footman, a lot of coal to be carried yeah. to all those fireplaces up and down the stairs, and two parlour maids, because coal generates a lot of dust. <laughs> More things that Soane um, had ideas about. Oh, there is a door lock, in other words, an airlock created by two doors so that smells don't go ah, into the house clever. or dust and dirt don't come from the street into the kitchen. Huh. That was one of his clever ideas. He also used all sorts of spaces, like there's a little cabinet here for spices and dry goods. This cupboard here, um, when you open the cupboard, the door provides the shutter oh, to for the, the window. window. Oh, clever. Almost a minimalism. It's so funny. He had all these great ideas for space saving and then owned three houses. You don't need them, John. Spread out. Did he come from family money then? He was... No. No. Self-made no. sort of... He was the son of a builder, but he was apprenticed to an architect, which was when he discovered he could draw. Right. He won a prize at the Royal Academy for one of his designs, which was never built, but this gold medal meant that he was able to go on the grand tour, yes. like the aristocracy. So that's how he came to do the grand tour. Interesting, okay. And then it was just his architecture that got him the money to be able to do all this. Oh, I like him more now. I like him a lot Worked more. for his money. Yeah, now I know he wasn't just born and, uh, into a minted family. Started a museum, he hated his son. <laughs> Richard told us he did the museum because he didn't want his son to inherit his stuff. Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten that. Is that right? He, he didn't... Uh, that is correct, yes. Um... His two sons, the first one, who died of tuberculosis, had tried to study architecture, but his health had prevented him from taking that further. The second one, George, was a playwright and a novelist by inspiration. Um, and he associated with a lot of the aristocracy and he got into trouble ah. with uh, wine, women, song, whatever. Sounds great. Um, he, he was constantly rec rescued from debt by his mother, mm. but eventually they decided that he ought to go to prison and realise what was happening. So he went to prison and he festered there. Um. And when he came out, he wrote um, a pamphlet 
which was the newsletters of the day, which decried John Soane's architecture. And John Soane saw the pamphlet, he took it to his wife, and he said, I recognise the writing. This is George. It was anonymous, was it? It was anonymous, yes. And his wife, Eliza, said, he has dealt me my death blow. Oh. And five weeks later, she died. Oh, no. But not obviously connected <laughs> with that. Wow. However, Soane held this against George, and he knew that if George inherited all mm. this, it would be dispersed. So he made a private member's bill of parliament, which left this to the nation. Any Soane's these days? Any family tree kicking about? Not that I've looked at. This is where you would go, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) We've kind of done a full loop of the bottom bit now, and you come back to where you came in, and you continue up the stairs. There is a great painting on the left-hand wall of what appears to be an old fat bearded man dressed as a woman about to be hit with a stick by a small thin man and then some tiny old men. What's happening in this picture, Will? Um, There's an old fat bald man (laughs) dressed as a woman and then a young thin man with a hit with a stick (laughs) and some tiny men. I I don't know. (laughs) It's a confusing little painting. Is that a mirror or a cut yeah, through there? It's a mirror. And then is that Shakespeare above the mirror? I, I don't. It looks like Shakespeare in disguise. <laughs> it's sort of Shakespeare, but it's got a funny pencil moustache on it. Also, a bit chubbier than you normally see Shakespeare, like Shakespeare in his, his old age. Yeah, mabes. Oh. My legs hurt from all the squats I did yesterday. Climbing stairs isn't fun. Now we're into the drawing rooms. Look at this, very elegant. So it's, um, I think, drawing room, but in like the literal meaning, like to draw. Yeah. Not like drawing room, like you get like the living room in an old house. There are the withdrawing room. Beautiful. Did you know that's why it's called I, a drawing room? I didn't, but thank you for telling me. I've told you that. Now it's where you withdraw after dinner. Yep. Admiral Van Trump's barge entering the tech cell. There's a Turner painting just to our left. By old J.M.W. Turner. Ra. Ooh, there's a whole box of coins here. So there's um, Napoleonic medals. Medals. Look at that baby on that one. There's a... Not dissimilar to a picture of... Young old oven. <laughs> <laughs> Masonic medal there. Tell you what's very nice about these medals is they're right by a radiator, which is really warming up my knees. You know you're old when your knees are the thing you think about most. Is that another wall that flips out and does the painting like surprise, it, yeah. I think? And again there, look, the casings, they look like they all open. How fun to just be able to just, I fancy some different paintings on my wall today. Because they didn't have 3M strips back then. You couldn't just unvelcro <laughs> them and change your photos. I've always wanted, if I ever buy a house, um, I want a one of the doors to look like a bookcase. That they're yeah. Like, yeah. You could do that. Do you remember the Jekyll and Hyde in Edinburgh used to have that? I do. Do you remember the TV show Julia Jekyll and Harriet Hyde? Yeah. Yeah. So we're into the matching drawing room now. There's a painting. Oh, there's a painting of the two sons on the wall, look. John, I suppose that's the sickly one with the cane there. And then George, the older one. No, the older one was the one that died, wasn't it? But it could have been shorter, I suppose. Well, there's John, dead. George, drunk. Also dead. Both dead now, yeah. Hey, here's one of these things. So, in the corner of the room, there is a stick on a... Um, stand. On a stand, that's it. 
and it's got a big oval f- sort of um, plaque on it. Yeah. Do you know what that was for, Will? Um, is it one of them things where it's like a bird on one side and a cage on the other and you go... It's not one of those, no. Um, the oval moves up and down the stick, if that helps. Uh, Victorian blind date. No. Good, good answer, though. It's for positioning between yourself and the fire to stop you getting a heat spot. You know, if one part of the fire was too hot on you, you'd just have that there to just disperse the heat around. That's actually a very good night, well done, though. Thank you. These are the first rooms, really, that just feel like, yes, this feels like a stately home rather than like a but the, um, madman's pocket. Like the lady downstairs said that these were his offices and all that stuff downstairs was to show off. Like, so yeah. Still got the big mirror, the sort of fisheye lens mirror on the wall oh, there. Yeah. For you can see the whole room in it. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Well, estate agents still use those, those lenses. True that. So we're just walking into the next room, and the first thing you see is a picture that says hell. Oh, gosh, yeah. Above a drawing of a sort of central London arched building, and then in carnival lettering over the top, hell. Oh, this is part of that hell in its heyday with the film downstairs with that, oh. that weird woman stroking that lion. Okay. So this is a travelling exhibition. So I'm just going to read... So film downstairs it's an exhibition called Hell in its heyday by Pablo Bronstein a British Argentinian artist and it imagines hell as a city so in this room it's uh, the enticing casinos gardens banquets shelters etc cool things that happen and then we're gonna go through a room and it'll be um, showing us the terrible things that have to happen for this uh, to exist kind of like Dubai in the real world <laughs> And then back down the stairs. Well, Will, shall we go and have a bit of lunch and look at some TripAdvisor? 100%. There are about 1,800 reviews of the John Soe Museum on TripAdvisor. Mm-hmm. On average, it's a 4.5. Nice. Most reviews are 5, 4, and 3. So what I've done is I've picked sort of one of the five-star ones that is quite glowing, but most of them say things along this line. The okay. four-star ones are less impressed, the three-star ones are less impressed, so, but it was free entry, and I had to book in a line in advance. The museum is small, as it used to be a house. There you can find a furnished house and antique furniture. The best part of the house is the basement, where a sarcophagus without a mummy and other ancient busts are displayed. It's quirky and staff were friendly. Bear in mind you cannot film in the basement, only take pictures. A minor bother was there, there was a tour group in front of us, and you can't walk forward until the group move as well. But apart from that, lovely experience. Alright, yeah, that's fair. That is the kind of TripAdvisor review where you're like... Of course you should put negatives on if you think people need warning of them. That is a reasonable way yeah. to warn people. So the majority of the ship advisors were in that vein. All right. Okay. So I, because I'm a legend, I just went straight to the one stars. <laughs> this one, one star, the mm. title of the review is Different. Oh no, I hate different things. This is a strange, otherworldly, intriguing, uncomfortable, claustrophobic, slightly sinister place. It is very cramped and not particularly welcoming. There are very few explanations or interpretation boards and one is left wondering what it's all about. I couldn't wait to leave. <laughs> I suppose there are very few explanation because things, but there's people in every room and basically the explanations are they this, were teaching things. Yeah, also, this crazy old guy just collected all this stuff. That's yeah. the stuff. And also, like, it's so full of stuff. Where would you put all those explanation yeah. boards? But also, doesn't the first half of it sound like a five-star? It's strange, otherworldly, intriguing, uncomfortable, claustrophobic, sinister. Wow. I couldn't wait to leave. Uh, this is uh, quite a short one. No, it's not. It's a very long one. <laughs> um, it just says, quite simply, terrible. Oh. This is, without a doubt, a beautiful monument at the heart of London. Nevertheless, hardly anyone knows or talks about this place. Why? Because you've given it a terrible TripAdvisor review. Why? This is the reason why. Oh. The website says the apartment tour runs every day from Wednesday to Sunday at 1.15pm and 2pm. 
lies. It does, <laughs> it does not run at all. I came here on Wednesday for the apartment-guided tour. Cancelled. Then I tried again on Friday. Knowing it could be cancelled, I called in the morning. Nobody picked up. On the website, no information. I went there. Cancelled. Worst of all, I was refused entry for... Um, not wearing a mask. Carrying a suitcase. Ah! <laughs> I asked the staff, if I come a third time, how can I make sure I can do the tour? Answer is, no idea. End of. Go home. Okay, that is annoying. That is annoying. But is this during COVID time? No, 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 it was 2017. Oh, okay. That is annoying then. All right. Okay, I accept that as criticism. Tough. I never realised visiting a museum could be so difficult. If you're not ready to try harder than I did, don't bother. Oh. And now I think the person has underneath all the hyperbole a deep, very yes. decent point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He turned yeah. up for a thing he wasn't allowed. Yeah. He came back, it was cancelled. Then he turned up again, blah, blah, blah. But the way he's written, he's like, mate, you couldn't go to a free museum in central London. Yeah, it's it's the tone, isn't it? It's that I asked I'm the captain of the something. Titanic if there were enough lifeboats. None. Cancelled. End of. Yeah. All right, well, do you know who does love it? Alistair Beckett King. Let's go talk to him. Beautiful. Hello, Alistair. Uh, thank you so much for sending us to Sir John Soane's museum. Uh, we had a brilliant time. The listeners would have just heard us going around there, getting lost, being confused. Um, very interesting place. We wanted to talk to you about why you like it and your connection. Why do I like it? Um, I, it doesn't make sense as a museum. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It's like it's like a very small Las Vegas squeezed into a tiny t- London townhouse. It's like a postmodern nightmare of real historical antiquities and plaster recreations, none of which are labelled. So there's no indication of what anything is. It's just like a where's Wally for history. So what what what's the joy for you in going? Do you like just going and? I don't know, having a no pressure hide around in it, or is it like you always find something new? What what's the <laughs> Sorry, what's a no pressure hide around? Oh yeah, that's not a hide around. <laughs> Whenever I do oh. a hide around, it's very high pressure. I take them very seriously. Um. All right, gentlemen, it's a hide around. You all know what that means. I don't need to explain. You've got synchronized so watches. The... <laughs> I suppose what I meant was like a in my head what I was thinking was <laughs> what I really enjoyed about the museum is that I sometimes feel under a lot of pressure in museums to read and look at everything yes so I didn't feel that educational. here no, and I could just hide away from London for a little bit because it is free so if I'm between meetings I now know I could just go and hide in there under no pressure and have a look that's what I meant it's wonderful I didn't get a chance to I, I didn't get a chance to go back there again between recommending it to you and, um, uh, and now. So I, what I did was I, I'd virtu- I visited it virtually on the website. And what they've done is they've used amazing up-to-date 3D technology to scan the rooms. And then you can explore parts of it in 3D. But the, the most extraordinary thing about that is even though I know it's using cut- cut- cutting-edge voxel-based 3D technology. It feels so much like playing a 90s adventure game. (laughs) So much like playing a mid-90s murder mystery adventure game, which is what I spend most of my time doing anyway. Yeah. (laughs) The whole thing feels like, uh, you know, like Sir John Stone has been murdered and now we must gather clues. It, It could have been anyone. The weird thing about it is that He's obviously a great architect, you know, and I'm, I'm sure you saw references to the buildings that he d- designed that were influential in all sorts of ways, and the Bank of England, and that tomb that they ripped off for the telephone boxes. Did that come up in your tour? Oh, no. Oh, no, it so didn't. His wife's, his wife's tomb, there's a little model of it in the house, because why wouldn't you have okay. a little model of your wife's tomb? Um, it, it's, in real life, it's in the gardens behind St Pancras Station. And it's it, the domed roof of it supposedly is the basis for the the red telephone box, the classic. Ah, so it, that is yeah. The, so the the look of the classic red telephone box is the shape of his sort of TARDIS-like tomb, where where he is now buried. That's amazing. And then the paintings room. Did you go in the paintings room where yes. the walls fold out? Yes. I think of that course, was my yeah. favorite part of of it's the so whole good. tour. I think it's got that's a second TARDIS-like element that mm. the house has which is the room with more room in it than room. And yeah. and then a statue of a, of a nymph, 
I think the description of it is a nymph unclasping her zone. Oh. Which I think, I guess a zone is an item of clothing from <laughs> from t- olden days. I thought before... a fanny. <laughs> so, is, that what, is that what you thought there, Will? I think if, someone's, if someone told me that a nymph was unclasping her zone, <laughs> I would think that I was on a promise. <laughs> oh, William. It's not my fault. I didn't write the inscription. It's entirely your fault for interpreting it that way and then deciding to share it with everyone. Also, on a promise. Ugh. Anyway. Um, Sex. Stop for sexual it. intercourse. Stop talking. I just want to do a nice podcast about days out. I wish... I wish I was doing it with someone else. Um, <laughs> what are we talking about? So before so we went... Room, the foldy flippy room. <laughs> you're not the first comedian to have told us about their love for this museum. So really? through the lockdown, when we couldn't get out and record the podcast, we did a series of um, YouTube interviews with people where um, people would come on and tell us. And Rich Massara, who you probably know from the comedy circuit, he came on and told us all about his love for John Stone Museum, the Sir John Stone's Museum, whatever we're calling it. Um, and, and so he described all of this stuff to us and not having a very visual imagination, it just sounded cuckoo bananas. And then we got there and my imagination had actually imagined it quite well because I can't imagine things. <laughs> so my visual imaginations are always like an Escher painting and suddenly I was in one of them. It, that painting's room, when someone tries to describe to you that the walls fold out and there's more paintings and then another wall folds out and there's more paintings but you're looking on a monk's refectory that he just decided yeah there's a little monk's room can you i i don't remember can you because for for the listener maybe you've just described this you can see into another Mm -hmm. room but can you actually get to that room because i don't remember being able to reach it so it's like an unreachable little gothic hidey hole no we went in there no we didn't go in there we went near to it then you can sort of see through to where it is but you can't go in there i don't think yeah we Mm. were in there i'm sure we were in there Agree to disagree. Mm, well, the listeners have just listened and know the answer. I, I thought we were in there because we looked through the wonky glass at it, and then when we went round the corner, we were in there. It was the room with the table. It's Laura, a house of mystery. It's a house of mystery. Laura, forgive me. You're a hundred percent correct. Yes. Okay. I um. I <laughs> well, I was also was going... wrong. I introduced the error. <laughs> well, I apologise. Um... The sarcophagus <laughs> is cool, though, huh? It's it's pretty. I mean, obviously there are there are th- these days ethical questions about the the swiping or in this case buying legally, but you know uh, f- antiquities from other countries and bringing them to England. But but if you're going to see a, a sarcophagus in London, it should be in some guy's basement. I say. Just, me too, actually. But did, and he had the three day sarcophagus party, didn't he? Which yeah, just the classic, the classic three day sarcophagus party that you do. Do you, you think you'd have liked sarcophagus. him? He sounds like an interesting. I mean, he's the, the sort of the romance and gothic seems to infuse the the concept behind the house. Not gothic necessarily in the architectural sense, because I think he was neoclassical, but in the sense of the the, the popular literature of the time. Uh, it's it's very. Uh, the, I've just remembered the tomb to beloved Fanny. There's a yeah. t- there's yes. a dog's tomb. Yeah. What is it? Dear, poor dear Fanny, something like that. Yeah, something there's like a that. Little tiny tomb to a dog. With a unclasping her vent or whatever she's doing, the dog. <laughs> Do you reckon he was one of those people that was knowingly wacky, or just so absorbed mm. by what he's doing that he's genuinely eccentric? I don't, yeah, I don't think you mean like a funny sort of multicolored tie kind of. Uh, yeah, a do you chat. know what I mean? That just sort of oh, have I said something that's a bit odd? Gosh, I'm always doing that. <laughs> <laughs> that. No, I don't see him as a sort of office joker. I think he was a he was the real deal. I think. Yeah. Because the house the is not a joke. Show. The house is. Yeah, he's not Colin. He's not Colin Hunt. No. Um, I think the house is serious. It's a serious attempt to educate his students in you know architectural details. They. The Napoleonic Wars were happening and you couldn't go and see all of these things in Greece as you would have if you were an upper middle class chap. So you had to come to John Soane's house and look at them all crammed into <laughs> one weird light well with a giant bust of him. Yeah. And all and those poor mirrors dead dog. around the place. <laughs> and then he had to do a little cry about his dead dog, yeah. Because <laughs> he I, was such I, a talented architect. I guess you have to have that focus to 
to be able to, I don't know, be that successful and that talented over and over again. You, yeah, you can't I think he be was, playing the fool. He too was much. a self-made man, I think. You know, he was a you know an app- apprentice. He wasn't born into yeah. great wealth, unlike his useless sons. <laughs> so, do you think this museum is your favourite place to go in London? Because you're not from well, London, are you? I'm not from London. I'm from the northeast of England. Um, where our real people come from and mm-hmm. didn't like it there, so I moved to London because um, <laughs> they didn't, they didn't, it wasn't accepted. Uh, all my colourful ties were too much for them. <laughs> they said, Get out of there. The, the, one of the great things about it is you can double up with the Hunterian Museum, which is just over the road, which right. has a, a giant skeleton of an Irishman whose last wish was to not have his skeleton put in a museum. So that's oh. mixed feelings about that, but it is, um, yeah, I mean, it's a big skeleton. Also, oh, I think it's yeah. got—I think it's got just the veins of a baby. Oh no, thanks. Just the veins. What? There's, um, it's so a very confused. creepy. It's, yeah, it's it, got the veins of a baby. Yeah, in the shape of a baby, but nothing. Nothing apart to do from, with like, the skeleton, though. No skeleton. Okay. It's not got the nervous system. Oh no, it's, maybe it's just the nervous system. It's got—it's like a little zombie monster oh. from a video game, but it's oh. baby. Uh, of course, I that's pre- a different location, but it's just over the road. So you can. Oh, okay. That's one of the great things about the John Stone Museum is you can double up with the Hunterian and be really creeped out. Yeah. I'm going to give that a swerve, I think. Yeah. <laughs> They've got a Surinam toad where it, it's little, it's little, it's little toadlets crawl into its back and, and burrow into the back of the toad. And I've never seen a thing that I hated <laughs> as viscerally as the Surinam toad. I saw it in the case, and I instantly—I'm a vegan. I wanted to smash it, it and it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's dead. And I—I st- I wanted to literally smash it to pieces upon sight. It's oh. like a Lovecraftian monstrosity. So it's the perfect counterpoint to the John's, to the Sir yeah. John Jones Museum. Sort of whimsy stone and plaster casts, and then all of the mm. horrors of biology just. And then, the like, oh, isn't the world disgusting? Yeah. <laughs> Look how big that Irish guy was. Neat lines and beautiful architecture. Don't ruin them with skanky people and animals. <laughs> Alistair, thank you so much for joining us and thank for you. sending us. We had a great mm, time. A uh, really, really good day. Um, where can people uh, find you? What have you got coming up? Tell us all about yourself. Well, um, if you would like to see, uh, I sometimes do funny videos um, and I regularly do videos and sometimes they're funny. <laughs> do you, yeah, you see what I did there? So you can uh, see those on YouTube, A. Beckett King on YouTube. Beckett has two Ts. Uh, or Mr. A-B-K, M-I-S-T-E-R-A-B-K on Twitter. And I should be on some of the other channels, but mm. I don't really bother. It's a lot of effort, isn't it? Do you want to, um, do you want to plug Lawmen? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> and also, if, you, if your listeners enjoy this sort of um, obscure whimsy um, and, and would like a... a you know, a low-pressure hideaway of a, of a podcast, <laughs> a different low-pressure hideaway. The, uh, I do a podcast called Lawmen, which is uh, a folklore podcast uh, where me and James Shakeshaft investigate local legends from mm. mostly it's the fantastic. United Kingdom. It's really fun. I love your podcast. Yeah, it's one of my favourite podcasts, yeah. Yay. You must, you must come on Lawmen and, and be guests on our podcast. Yes, please. Yes. Obliged. Done. We're leaving that Done. in the edit Sorted. now, so now we have to. Ha-ha! <laughs> um, thank you so much for giving That's out your time to send us there and chat to us. Thank you so much. Uh, Alice Becker King, ladies and gentlemen. And there we have it. Another fantastic episode, if I do say so myself. Uh, thank you so much to Alistair Beckett-King for sending us to the Sir John Stones Museum. And thank you to the museum for their permission to record that. Yes, of course. And thank you to them as well. Thank you to you, Laura, for being my friend. Yay! Thank you to you for uh, listening to the podcast. We hope you're enjoying the uh, new series. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us, you can do that in one of many ways. You can tweet or Instagram us at TreasuresPod. You can send us an email on nationaltreasurespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, And if you like what we do and want to see more of it, you can go on to patreon.com forward slash national treasures, where you have about 11 months worth of bonus material that you can catch up on. But if you could leave us a star rating and a review, it helps us in the old iTunes algorithm. But that's the end. Enjoy your day. I know I will. (laughs) Bye. Bye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.